0: So thank you for the honor of asking me to offer a sermon on this special day in your liturgical calendar, Christ King Sunday, now referred to on our thankfully gender-inclusive days as Reign of Christ Sunday. In the Jewish tradition, a sermon is called a Devar Torah, a word or a commentary, on the Torah, on Holy Scripture. So please allow me to begin my remarks by saying in all humility that as a Jew and as someone who is not a confessing Christian, the task of speaking about the relation of some passages from Scripture to Christ the King Sunday poses something of a challenge. (laughs) But then the reason the very reason I was drawn to my work as UNESCO Chair in Interreligious Dialogue is that I'm devoted to the search for connections between religious and spiritual traditions. And I'll attempt to make some of these connections, in this case, between Christianity and Judaism, this morning. Now, one of the things that Judaism and Christianity share is what I would call a messianic consciousness, a commitment on the part of the worshiper to the goal of the redemption of humankind, to a humankind devoted to the love of my neighbor, to the love of the stranger amongst us. Where Judaism and Christianity will generally be seen to differ is in their understanding of the identity and meaning of the Messiah. The New Testament, of course, declares that Jesus is the Messiah as this very reign of Christ Sunday celebrates, and it tends to see the Hebrew Bible, including the prophets such as Jeremiah, we have heard from this morning, and Isaiah, as ineluctably moving in the direction of recognizing Jesus as the Messiah. And that's part of the flow of the, of the text that we uh, have been hearing this morning in the lectionary. The Jewish tradition is less definitive about the meaning and nature of the Messiah and of the Messianic age. A topic that is explored at length and in detail in the tractate Sanhedrin in the Talmud, which I would call the Jewish New Testament. The Talmud is a vast work, many times the size of the Hebrew Bible itself. The Talmud consists of the Mishnah and the Gemara, the Mishnah, meaning repetition or learning, is the oral law and it was put into writing around 220, year 220 of the Common Era by sages, by sages known as the Tannaim. The Gemara, or completion, is commentary and debate on the Mishnah by the sages called the Amoraim, who lived several centuries later. I'll return to the Talmudic discussions of the meaning of the Messiah and of the Messianic age after commenting briefly on some of the texts assigned in today's lectionary. The texts read for today point the way to redemption beginning with Jeremiah, who first castigates the current wicked shepherd kings and then prophesies the coming of a ruler, a righteous sprout of the line of David, who will administer justice and righteousness, Mishpat Uzadaka, in the land. The Jewish people will call this ruler, Jeremiah says, by the name of Adonai Siddekenu, meaning Adonai is our righteousness. The name of the ruler of the Jewish people, according to the Jewish people themselves, thus conveys the truth that this people's devotion to God is expressed through their righteousness, that is, through their commitment to pursue justice. Justice, justice, they will pursue. In the passage from Luke in the Canticle 16, Luke traces the itinerary of the Messiah through John the Baptist, who prepared the way of the Lord to give knowledge of salvation to his people for the forgiveness of sins. In Colossians 1, 11 to 20, Paul definitively states that Jesus is the Messiah. He tells the Colossians that the Father has rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. The Son, Paul says, makes peace through the blood of his cross. In today's last reading from a later passage in Luke, we arrive at the cross. Two criminals, let's call them evildoers, which is a more literal translation of the original Greek, are crucified at Jesus' side, one to his right, the other to his left. One of these two evildoers kept deriding Jesus, but the other rebuked him, explicitly acknowledging the fact that he and the other evildoer have in fact been justly condemned to death because of their crimes, while Jesus, in stark contrast, has done nothing wrong. In the Talmud, the rabbis remark that the sinner who repents has a better chance of earning a place in the olam haba, in the world to come, than the person who has never transgressed. The word for repentance in Hebrew is teshuvah, which means return, specifically a return to God. <clears throat> I would go so far as to say that teshuvah is perhaps the key idea in all of Judaism, and maybe in all of life, for that matter. Redemption starts with me now recognizing my fault and the harm I have done to others. This is teshuvah. This is what it means to return to God. And is this not what the repentant evildoer is acknowledging at this very moment in the passage, the last passage from the lectionary? I am guilty. The penitent evildoer is saying, I am responsible. And the experience that has brought him to this realization of his own guilt and responsibility is the suffering of Jesus which, in comparison with his own, is thoroughly undeserved. The penitent evildoer has been turned inside out by his experience of the undeserved suffering of the other, of Jesus. Just as Abraham in Genesis was turned inside out by the undeserved suffering of the innocent in Sodom, whom God had sentenced to die (coughs) with the guilty, <clears throat> Until Abraham, in Genesis 18, bravely spoke truth to power and convinced God to change his mind. Truly, I tell you today, Jesus says to the penitent evildoer, you will be with me in paradise. In the Talmud, the rabbis often understood the, the Messianic age as a return to the Garden of Eden, as a return. To paradise, The road to paradise, to messianic deliverance, is through ethical responsibility, through seeing and responding to the face of the other, through my being turned inside out by the suffering of the other in front of me, or in the case of the penitent evildoer, by the other next to me. This understanding of messianic deliverance as my assuming, ethical responsibility before the other is suggested in a passage from the Talmud as explicated by Emmanuel Levinas, a thinker I've been talking about for the uh, the past few days. The passage is from the treatise Sanhedrin. The commentator's name is Rav Nachman, a Talmudic scholar who died in the year 320 of the Common Era. The rabbis have many different ideas of what the Messiah is and they talk about this in hundreds of pages, through hundreds of pages. Some of the rabbis cited in this section of Sanhedrin say that the the name of the Messiah is Shiloh, meaning a gift shy to him, loaf. Some say his name is Hanina, meaning mercy. Still others say his name is Menachem, the son of Chizkiah, For the name Menachem means comforter. But Rav Nachman has a different interpretation. And he says, if the Messiah is one of the living, then he might well be me. As Levinas remarks of this passage, Rav Nachman is saying, the Messiah is myself, moi, me. To be myself, to be truly myself, to be lifted to the highest notion of what it is to be a self is to be the Messiah. The fact of not evading the burden imposed by the suffering of others defines what it means to be a self, to be me, to be moi. So this brings us to uh, a final passage from the New Testament, I'm sure one you're all familiar with, that I'd like for us to consider in conclusion on this morning of Christ the King Sunday, a passage that returns us to the subject of my first Bailey Lecture, which is the experience of being turned inside out by my encounter in prison with the other in front of me. And I'm referring here to verses 31 to 40 of the 25th chapter of the Gospel according to Matthew. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him and will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep at his right hand and the goats at the left. Then the king, Basileus, will say to those at his right hand, Come, you that are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous, even the righteous, will answer, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food, or thirsty and gave you something to drink? And when was it That we saw you a stranger and welcomed you, or naked, and gave you clothing. And when was it that we saw you in prison and visited you? And the king will answer them. Truly, I tell you, just as you did to the one of the least of my brothers, the least of my brethren, so you did it to me. Who is the king in this passage from Matthew, often referred to as the most Jewish of the Gospels, and who is the Messiah? The king, I suggest, is Christ as God, as the Lord, for the righteous address Christ here as Lord, Kuria, the translation into Greek of the tetragrammaton, the four unpronounceable letters uh, pronounced, when you speak them, you say Adonai, meaning my Lord. As Christ the King says to the righteous at the end of this passage from Matthew, truly I tell you, just as you did it to the least of my brethren, the least of the members of my family, so you did it to me. Messianic deliverance is accomplished in this passage by me when in responding to the vulnerable other in front of me, to the stranger, to the naked, to the sick, to those in prison. I thereby encounter God, encounter the king, enter the kingdom or the glorious reign of justice and mercy. The only way to the Father is through me when I assume responsibility for the other